Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Wax on, wax off. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to episode one. Yes, you heard that right. We're not repeating. This is a new series I am starting called Cam's Corner. Of course, I'm your host as always, Karate Cam, Cameron Madani. You heard it here first. And welcome to Cam's Corner, episode one. On this series, this is a sub-series underneath the show of Believe in the Punch. You know, so I was just I just got to thinking one day and there's some things that that come up, right? My day-to-day life is karate, whether it's training, um, teaching, coaching, talking to other other people within the karate world or, or it basically surrounds it's surrounded with karate, events, everything, right? And there's a lot of things that that come up that we want to talk about and and this is my ramble. Of course, now each episode has its own themes and things like that but this is the the short straight up downright i don't know flow with it version of a podcast so for those podcast listeners that like continuous flow no edits we're doing one shot i want to get the fresh thoughts about different subjects out there this is the show for that so thank you for tuning in to episode one of cam's corner now something i base my episodes off of where I will be basing my episodes off of is the questions that I get day to day you know sometimes there's different things that athletes or or just general karate practitioners will come up to me and ask and and I'm like man this is this is something that expands beyond myself and I know there's a lot of things that do and and as a result I want to talk about them so today on today's episode of Cam's Corner we're gonna we're gonna recap the Olympics and of course, for those of you that know the kick that shocked the world here, we're going to talk about that too. Um, and we're going to cover one of the questions that I was asked uh, regarding managing your time. You know, karate is a quote unquote different sport in, in how we approach things, how, how we train you know, we're, we're not, we're not something that's in colleges necessarily, right? So like time management and and how I manage my time was something that was brought up and and something I want to talk about and basically tell you guys what I think about it and what I do. Um, and the last thing I want to cover today is a little bit more personal. Um, it hits a little closer to home, but, uh, it's more of a, I don't want to say public service announcement, but it's something along those lines. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Now, real quick, before we jump into the Olympic recap and what my thoughts were about the Olympics and karate's showing, I just want to do a quick apology for not posting recently. Uh, Life has got up to me. And for us karate athletes in the U.S., we know that the national championships is coming up, and this is my first real competition I guess my second one this year, but my first one where we have a variety of different athletes going. Uh, so I'll be there both as a coach and an athlete. I've been preparing for that, and I can't give you all the excuses in the world, but uh, long story short, I'm back. We're here, and it's happening. But let's get into the Olympics. Yeah, it was. I, th- I mean, in, in a nutshell, yes, right? <laughs> I'm a little biased because 
I don't know if there there might be a lot of listeners that don't know, but uh, I have the privilege of being the son of Fariba Madani, who is who was one of the referees at the Olympics, and hearing her experience was something something wild, and I got again the privilege to. Let me let me before I go off on that. Let me pause real fast. We see the athletes, right? And again, I've been lucky enough to be on the Olympic trial circuit and things like that. So you see how these different athletes, you know, and these are all familiar faces. All those people that were on TV are all familiar faces for myself and a a, a huge number of other athletes. But something that we respect about them is the time, effort, consistency, and, and of everything that went into getting them to that point, right? And... It's, it's a really cool opportunity because I get to see the back end in referees, the referee point of view and the referee process to get to the Olympics. And maybe some people think that it was just like, hey, by fluke, we're going to choose a handful of people and they're going to be there. But quite honestly, it was it was the opposite. They had a very rigorous trial process and, and they were under consistent scrutiny for minimal to no pay um, and, and they're essentially some of the best volunteers in the world. And I wanted to get that out there, especially before we jump into uh, the final topic. Of course, I'm going to be covering the kick. Everybody knows it as the kick, right? The, the, the last thing, of course, that Olympic karate showed the world was the kick. And, and um, we'll talk about that more. But going back to, to my mom, she is a referee. Um, and hearing her experience about how they handled the Olympics was was amazing and my respect for the referee corps and things like that has has only increased because they are under an immense amount of pressure um the the spotlights the spotlight is on them because karate is a judge sport we we have points that are based off of judges scoring them right so so it, it was a very interesting process and and overall i think it went very well there were no of course i'm i'm putting this last one off to the side for a second, but no major, no major calls that changed things or, or things that really stood out to where people would be losing licenses or things like that. And, and I, I consider that a success as far as the athletes go, man, what a showing, what a awesome representation of our sport. We had the top athletes in the world go, and and I I mean I'm I'm looking I'm thinking back to the different divisions men's women's it was it was all fantastic and and to put to perspective the the fan base of karate if people didn't even think there was one I myself alongside other people stayed up right to that one two three a.m. to watch these athletes but that was not just me after you know thinking about it I was like man there's these kids at the dojo that I teach at or my my family visit my family dojo they stayed up late. People from this state, that state, people calling each other, FaceTiming each other at three in the morning. Did you see that match? Did you see this? Did you see that? Recapping essentially everything that happened. And that that really opened my eyes to the fact that people do care, right? To, to how much right now, especially scrutiny karate gets for not having a fan base. It was it was completely the opposite. We have a very committed and loyal fan base that was that was putting themselves out there. People who don't even know. I was I was actually at a at a bachelor party for the last day of the Olympics. Um, and we were up in the mountains just just hanging out. And, you know, knowing me, I wanted to watch. 
And I had a group of guys who have no background, no insight into the world of karate get glued to the TV and asking, wait, what does this mean? Why didn't that score? What was that? Oh, that was great, right? And like they're, they're, they're enthusiastic about this thing and, and, and asking questions about how it does differ from the other combat sports, right? There's other combat sports in the Olympics and then the one that everybody knows about, obviously, in, in mixed martial arts, the UFC, right? And what separates us, and, and there was some really good conversations that I had with people that have nothing to do with the sport regarding what they were watching, the person, the people that I think stood out were the athletes, though, that were themselves, if that makes any sense. You know, a lot of athletes, right, the stars are always going to be stars. The people who score points are always going to score points. It doesn't matter. But something I noticed, and, and I'm, not, I'm not not taking into consideration that this was the Olympics, but the athletes that fought as truly to themselves were the ones that stood out. I think a, a great example is in the under 67 kilo category, Steven DeCosta. In his preliminary matches, uh, myself, my sister, my dad, we were all watching and we were like, man, this guy, he's, he's shaky, right? He's winning matches, did what he needed to do, but it, we, we put the label of bronze medal. Once, once we saw that he made it to the, to the semis, we, we put the label of bronze medal. He did not look the way that he usually does. You know, change of tactics, consistent change of tactics, playing with distance, um, showing a wide array of different techniques that are scorable, right? None of those things were necessarily happening to the absolute maximum. So, you know, we, we said, hey, no, it's not going to happen. And I, I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and lo and behold, this guy is Olympic champion. And I went back the next morning and I watched, re, re, watched the reruns, I'm sorry, of what he had done and in those that semi and final match the semi-final and final match he showed himself he fought like himself those things that were missing in the in the previous matches were not there anymore the hesitation of different distances and different movements right the frequency of how he was bouncing that's like a big thing that I've been getting into is like okay movement is one thing but the frequency of how you're putting pressure on another person was back to the way where he could set up and score the attacks that he wanted offensively defensively throughout movement and things like that and and lo and behold boom you have someone that won Olympic gold medal and had a great turnout for the games yeah and 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 that's what I'm trying to think about it the other athletes that were truly themselves right showed and, and did not hold back. There were some athletes, right, they were trying to secure the win. And no hate to them. I think Noah, Noah Bish is a from Germany in the minus 75 kilo division is a great example of this. I think another one is, of course, she got a silver at the, uh, at the Olympics, but Irina Zaretska, she's a freaking badass. This is someone that you see in Premier Leagues dumping people on their head. Then as soon as they come in again, hook kick. Next one, jab. Next one, change offline, hit something up, right? And she she has an array of different techniques, but then narrowed it down to one or two things. Just an offensive one-two to the head, throwing body timing occasionally, or just defensive block and then reverse punch counter. And, and it shows she got exposed in the final match. Go back to another dominant fighter in, in someone like Noah, Similar thing, wasn't the usual array of techniques that they that they throw. Again, 
I'm I'm not discrediting that this was the Olympics, and I'm not saying I would I would do something totally different. Everybody wants to secure a win. Everybody wants to secure a medal, but something that stood out to me was, hey, those athletes that were truly fighting themselves and were running the tactics, strategies, and techniques that they are most comfortable and most formidable throwing and doing were the ones that were most successful. Now, there's something that popped up because Kata is also involved in this, right? Shout out to someone who is on my main show in um, just the main podcast in Ariel Torres from the U.S. Shout out to him. Huge shout out to him, actually. Bronze medal, pulling a bronze medal, first ever karate athlete from the U.S. to to win a, a medal at the Olympic Games, which is freaking fantastic. I can't be, like, as a teammate of his, I am ecstatic. I am. I was yelling for him. I was screaming for him, and literally wish him nothing but the best moving forward. I remember a funny story, probably not going to like that I'm saying this, but we were at the Pan Am Games together and <laughs> we had both just finished our competition. We both, at that time, I had the silver medal. Um, we both had gotten silver medals and we were sitting down and you know we competed on the same day. So we were done. We we're hanging out and I remember sitting in his dorm room with him and we're just shooting the breeze, you know, happy competition went well, talking to family, things like that. And he's just like, man, like, I'm not going to stop. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I'm not stopping. What do you? I was like, well, what do you, I never asked you to stop. <laughs> That's what it is. And he goes, no, no, no. Like, I'm not, this is, it's going to happen. I'm going to the Olympics. We're both, we're both going to get to the highest level and, and I'm going to the Olympics. You know, no, at the time you, you have the, the post competition or post event happiness, you know, that, that whatever. And you're just like, oh yeah, whatever, man, enjoy it, whatever, woo, right? But this guy did it and, and shout out to him, you know, all respect and all love to him. Um, so a little side note there, but getting back to something that came up after the Olympics had finished and something that highlighted Kata, I think, more than than Kumite, more than fighting, because that the kick, right, the kick that stopped the world, that was that was under scrutiny for, for its own things. But something that stood out was tradition versus sport. And I remember reading this article. I don't remember exactly who it was by, but it was a martial arts-based article online regarding where tradition and sport kind of fit in together with kata. Are what the athletes doing right now is that is that quote-unquote correct and is that staying true to his roots and my answer my answer is yes and no kind of like a lot of people right of course I'm playing the middle field yes and no yes because the katas are still the same katas you know Every, everybody's doing the same. You have a you have a list of katas that you are able to perform at these Premier League or high level tournaments, and everybody performs the same list. Nobody nobody does. You know there might be little movements and things like that that are different, but more often than not, you see the same people, or I'm sorry, the you know the different people throw the same or perform the same katas. They look the same. They the movements are the same. Everything's the same, and these things date back hundreds of years, right? Now the aspect of where tradition lies in in making kata more of a show than actual application of different moves. I think that's for the traditionalists, 
And and something to to note, right? Those people that want to keep karate a very traditional, you know, martial art and not a sport, that that might be what they want. But sports are what people like to watch. And every sport has an has an evolution. Every art form has an evolution. Basketball has stayed the same over the years that it's been around. But the whole essence of putting a ball into a basket to score points has not changed. And that's the same thing with our kata. Performing a kata and getting judged on it. Man, I remember before flags, right? So right now we have, at the high level, we have scoring, right? You're, you're able to get X amount of points out of a possible 30. 20 come out of, um, possible 20 come out of Technical and then 10 in the realm of athletic, right? How athletic or well you performed your kata athletically. But before that, it was flags. Two people come up, similar to kumite, sparring, fighting. Um, and, you know, you, you both perform your kata and then a whistle blows, boom. And the referees are putting a flag up. And before that, it was scores, it was scores, right? There would always be an average, right? You go to any karate tournament, and some of them still run this way, but you would there would be an average of hey, let's for this division, it's set for seven point zero, and then there would be five referees, and they would all give you a score, and depending on how you did, boom, there you have it, right? And it's interesting to see how it came full circle for those people who say that it's changed and this and that. Every sport has an evolution. Every art form has its evolution. Things change over time. And something I wanted to note as A, being someone that values all forms of the martial art of karate, those athletes that are good at kata are good at fighting. And I don't just mean sparring, right? Obviously, like for example, Ariel, we talked about it on our on our on our podcast. He came up and he has medals sparring. That's one thing, right? But but part two is those athletes that are at the top notch, they train like they're hitting. They train like they're actually blocking real tech. Their their kata is an actual fight. You know, there's this thing we talk about whenever I'm training my cut to athletes and things like that. And I'm not saying that like I'm I'm the the guy, right? But but there's something that we talk about in quote unquote the feeling. The feeling entails the same fighting spirit that you have within your kata. Those faces that they make, the gestures that they make, they are fighting. That's you know they're 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 treating their kata as a real fight. And those punches, man, I would challenge anybody that says, oh, fighting the air is BS, to go stand in front and take a freaking punch, even to the gut from one of those kata athletes. Those are real, legit punches and blocks that are being thrown. And those, again, those athletes that are successful have a fundamental, strong fundamental background in understanding where these moves come from, what they're used for, why you do them. Sandra Sanchez I know for a fact, only because she posts it, <laughs> posts it on her Instagram all the time, she practices bunkai, which is literally, the translation is the actual application of the techniques. She is traditional in that aspect. And for, for another aspect of where tradition fits in versus sport, why do we kiai? Why do we bow? These are all little things that go into what keep karate, karate. A lot of people, you know, 
because it's weird, right? <clears throat> People aren't used to hearing the ki when a technique is thrown or in the middle of a kata, so they they automatically think it's it's weird and 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 you know might laugh or giggle and things like that. But that's part of our tradition. Kiais are meant to exu- like exhibit power, strength, putting everything you have into one technique, right? And then and then if you ki properly from not from your shoulders or your chest, but from from your belly, kind of like a you know, like taking a deep breath. It's it's it it improves your technique. It gives you strength and power. So that's where where I kind of fit with the tradition versus sport. I think tradition is maintained and it needs to be maintained to improve our sport. But there's progressions. Why is there rule changes? Why is there things to improve what we see? And I think that's a pretty good indicator of you know, kind of covering the kick that <laughs> everybody's talking about, man. So if you missed it, right, or you've been living, quote-unquote, under a karate rock, I had people that were not in karate send me this knockout that took place. It was the last match of the Olympics. Of course, the very last match, the very final fight, heavyweight, big boys, Iranian fighter, Saudi Arabian fighter. Iranian fighter is losing. So he's charging in, trying to score something. Saudi Arabian fighter at one point brings his leg up. Front leg, mind you, kicks the Iranian fighter in the head. Iranian fighter drops to the floor. The Saudi fighter, based on rules, is given the highest penalty you can get for contact. That is straight to DQ. So even though the Iranian athlete who was knocked out... What got knocked out, right? He still got the gold medal at the Olympic Games. Now, this has charged up the last few weeks, the world of martial arts, karate, non-karate, YouTube views, whatever. And I want to give my take. Because I think there's some things that are not taken into consideration. First of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say I don't think there's should be a rule change in the realm of karate, a major drastic reevaluation of rules in the world of I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I will tell you the one thing that if there were to be changes that that should happen. But I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people, there's the keyboard warriors and things like that that say, hey, karate was exposed. You know, it, it's not the it, it, the holes, the 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 weaknesses of this sport were were shown, were exposed, and and now the whole rule set of everything needs to change. I don't I don't agree with that at all. The rules are there for a reason. Maintaining going back to the last aspect of tradition versus sport, and the balance between these two, karate. One of the biggest things in karate is showing balance, and balance of a technique means. Damage inflicted in in the realm of sport. Damage inflicted without deterring your opponent from continuing competition. That doesn't mean you can't hit somebody. You can't like send one right to their stomach, even the face. Now, if you kick someone in the knee, don't allow them to keep fighting. Okay, there was a penalty right there. Or if you knock somebody out deliberately... Keep, you know, and then, then that's that's a penalty. That is where it stems from. But I think a lot of people are missing the point of where where it all sits. So the first point I want to hit is 
is the referee point of view. Why that call? So there's obviously, for the people that know, there's two ways that it could have gone. And after I say the two ways, I'll tell you which way I think it should have gone. So the first way is a contact penalty, which is what was given as a result. The Saudi athlete who kicked the Iranian athlete lost. Contact penalty means you're putting the opponent out and they're not able to keep fighting. Okay? And that's what was given. The second way it could have gone is what we call a mabobi, which in that case, the Iranian athlete would have been disqualified, right, or penalized for putting themselves in a situation where they could have gotten hurt. Now, I'll explain a little bit more about that. So, for example, a, an athlete is charging in and deliberately puts their hand downs and hands down and runs at an athlete, and the other athlete punches them in the face, and they get hurt as a result. It's going to be the athlete that ran in's fault because they put themselves in a position where damage could be inflicted. So, I I think it was that. I think it was that. I think it was a mabobi. I think the call. While it was a judgment call, right? Like he can't, he, he's not going to get in trouble for making a judgment call. I think it should have been a Mabobi based off of what happened. For those of you that know what was happening in the match, the Saudi athlete was already winning 3-0 to zero off of a kick that wasn't necessarily good, but long story short, he was winning 3-0. The Iranian athlete now is in the finals of the Olympic Games trying to hunt down any points he can in order to get himself back in, 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 a, in a contending position. So this athlete is running in, running in, pushing the pace, trying to do everything that they can in order to score. As a result, they're going to be put in some dangerous situations. Now, what the Saudi athlete threw was what we call a timing kick. Timing kicks usually mean usage of the other person's force timing in general means using somebody else's force and beating them to the point in the middle with whatever you can so someone's coming in and my puncher kick is just faster than theirs and I meet them in the middle and I exit before their technique is fully thrown now for a timing kick you have to lean back that's the first thing you have to lean back if you lean forward more often than not, you're going to end up with the shin or a non-scoring part of the foot hitting the face. Or the, you know, or you might, you know, in a jam position, you might get stuck on their elbow, shoulder, blah blah blah. So the Saudi athlete throws a timing kick based off of the Iranian athlete moving in. Saudi athlete moves back, throws the front leg. Where does it hit? Right along the TMJ nerve, right on the jawline there. But key point, Iranian athlete was moving in. Was moving in. Car crash, you know, 50 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour from both sides, you're going to get that 100 mile an hour force of impact, right? And, and I think that is the classic case of what happened. One of these people that is on YouTube that covered this is um, the Dr. Brian Sutter. Sutter, yeah, Brian Sutter. He makes a video kind of covering the... Um, brain trauma side slash physics side of everything that happened and he slows down everything and and this I, I, I came up with this conclusion before watching the video but 
he reaffirms the whole idea. Now, the call after again speaking to my to a my my mom and everything like that was taken from was taken from a doctor's doctor's point of view. So let's you know an athlete gets hurt, doctor comes up and checks them out. The doctor then talks to the center referee and will tell them, hey, this athlete can continue or not. And so based off of what happened, the doctor tells the center referee this athlete is no longer able to continue. Based off of the information that was presented in front of them, an athlete hit another athlete to put him out no longer in contention of competing. So... What is the call there? Based off of just that, the call would be then be a hensoku, which means um, the, the which is the I'm sorry the fourth penalty that you could get for contact or or for anything else. But that's that's equals disqualification. Long story short. So based off of what the doctor said, doctor said this athlete is no longer to, able to continue. Okay, all right. Well, there was a kick that hit the other one. We're taking that, and that's why the judgment was the way it was. Now, if there was one set of rules or two, I guess there's two things here. Looking back at this, two things here. If there were anything to be changed about the rules, the first thing would be that after a knockout, I think the referee should have the ability to look at a replay. Right? Because everything's happening so fast, so quick, and you have to come up with a judgment-based decision in the moment, they don't, you know, they don't have the opportunity to go back and watch the same kick happen 17 times from 19 different angles, 1080p widescreen on, you know, my 80 inch projector, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have that. So, I think if there was one thing to happen after a knockout, I think a referee should be able to go check a video review because there was video review there. There's challenge cards and karate and things like that. Now, for those people who think karate soft or this and that, I, I disagree with that. Something that's not... Oh, I'm sorry. The second, the second thing first. I would just make it simpler to watch. I think the only thing holding karate back right now is not the technicality, not the point system and things like that. But it is a little hard to, hard to watch for the average eye. You know, the average person does not know what it's go- what's going on in a match. Why is it only three minutes, one round, you're not allowed to knock people out? Why was that punch not good? Ver- or what was? why was one punch not good versus another? You know, and things like that. So, I-, I think if there was any rule changes, it would be simple things to make it easier to, to grasp from an outside point of view. Pretty Pretty straightforward. Now, going back to people who think karate is soft because of what they saw in this kick. Because karate is a bracket style or even pool play means you have to fight more than one fight style sport, it wouldn't make sense for us to allow knockouts. I can tell you right now that if we were like, hey, knockouts are allowed and an athlete was winning a fight, why wouldn't one of your strategies just be to knock the other athlete out and start throwing malicious techniques and things like that? While it could work and you still have to maintain, you know, technique and things like that within within your within our sport or within your within your movements, 
I don't. I think. I think it would dump a whole side of what we've tried to create. I think a lot of people don't know. A, there's you know, a body pads were brought into karate because of the Olympics. Contact rules and things like that were brought. It were were rules that karate had to adjust to and make to get into the Olympics in the first place. They, they in, in 2016 we got beat out by golf. And one of the one of the reasons I remember reading at the time was we don't want too many combat sports to to show maliciousness or 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 favor um, violence in the Olympics. So there was adjustments that were made. Karate, you know, made those rule changes and things like that in order to get to the Olympics and make it more of a spectacle sport. Something else that people don't realize is okay. I'm not getting knocked out every time I'm hit, but not every single point or every single hit is a point. In, you know, in in seniors in 18 over divisions, you have to make contact, especially internationally. You have to make contact. Otherwise, you're not going to score points. Now, at least that's my experience. Now, a long day of competition, whether it be even maybe even one match, but you fight five, six fights over the course of one day. And then look at each one. Let's just say on average, every two times, I'm saying it is on a positive side, two to three times you get hit, one of those is a score. Now you're taking all of that micro trauma and adding it up over the course of five, even six rounds. That's a lot of damage that you're taking. And they're not all the same athlete. Some, you know, I, I don't think comparing karate to the UFC is an accurate comparison because you have a division full of 64 other athletes at the highest level. 64 other athletes, and you have to adapt. It's randomized bracket, and you have to adapt to whoever's in front of you. It's not the UFC where I have one person that I'm training for for 8 to 10 weeks. Obviously, I'm not discrediting the UFC. I just don't think the, the comparison between the two is, is noteworthy. Or, you know, it's not directly, it can't be directly translated. Taking all those hits and things like that leads, A, to a lot of damage. And B, moments like that where someone gets knocked out is going to happen, right? Things like that are going to happen. It's a combat sport. It's going to happen. Now, a side note would be, you know, uh, obviously everybody's talking about the Joe Rogan um, a little little bit about karate and you know how it's ridiculous that knockouts are this and that and and I I don't I think that's a discredited obviously right I'm the I'm the hater on on the number one podcast in the world but I, I'm honestly a fan of Joe I love I like I loved a lot of the interviews that he's had but something that was tough was when he said something you know so naive and negative about karate when just a few years ago on a different show he he commended sport karate in the control that the athletes in the sport have or have to maintain in order to score points and things like that and then turned around and said that this is ridiculous you know it's a it's a you know it's a sissy sport contact is is not there and you know points and this and that and fighting the air kata is ridiculous you know and I was just kind of like man you, as a as a all-around combat sport individual you're you, you don't get it you you didn't do your research <laughs> you didn't you don't know the rules right 
Going even back to our whole idea of traditional versus sport. Maintaining tradition within the sport of karate is integrity in the technicality. Meaning points, I'm not just going to score a hook punch because that's not that's not technical enough. That does not demonstrate the highest caliber of technique or ability. That's why those techniques are not scorable. That's something that separates us out. No hate to Taekwondo, but they were a body pad. They were a body pad that monitors how hard kicks are hitting them. Uh, Taekwondo athletes are badass, don't get me wrong, but it's it's a lot different. It's much more different, right, when, when you're narrowed down to one thing. In karate, we're privileged enough to score punches, kicks, and takedowns. Judo's throws, we got that. Boxing is punching, we got that. Taekwondo's kicks, we got that. Even basics in grappling, obviously I'm not going to extend it and say, oh yeah, we're grapplers, right? But understanding how to maneuver in the clinch, how to position you know, your body and somebody else's body in, in taking basics from wrestling, something I, I did as a kid and I still use a lot of those basics, right? So we're, we're the complete sport and, and taking into consideration the damage that you're taking throughout days of competition, and yeah, you have to be skilled in order to score points in karate. Some some Joe Schmo can't come in at the highest level and be successful. And I think that's something that maintains integrity with our sport. And as a result, I don't think that there's a whole bunch of rules that should be changed or karate was shown in a bad light. Karate was shown in a great light at the Olympics. And I think it's an overall privilege that we got to be there. Unfortunately, it's not looking like we'll be there in 2024, which for athletes like myself who are still trying to hit that, you know, prime or swing or whatever you want to call it, like we, we don't really have that shot now. But the Olympics is not why I started karate. I started karate, well, obviously because my parents are in it. My mom was training while she was pregnant with me and things like that. But you know, it still hurts, right? The Olympics is the epitome of sports and there's there's a lot there. But there's a lot of other events, and again, I didn't join this sport just to go to the Olympics. I joined this sport for a number of other reasons, which we can cover a different day. But I just looked at my time. I'm running a little long, so I'm going to have to save the question on scheduling for another time. This was my recap of the Olympics. I do want to close, though, with that you know public service announcement that I, I talked about. And I'm sorry for taking a little bit of a, I don't want to say dark, because it's really not, it, a serious tone, I should say that. But something very recently happened and uh, within my, my life, you know, and uh, it revolves around karate and, and, and it, long story short, I get it, you know, um, recently I had one of, I was working with a student, I'm sorry, a, a few years back and uh, started the dojo at our youngest age at five and, um, I had the privilege of working with him for six years after that. So 11, maybe maybe when he was 12, um, he stopped. And this was a few years ago, like I said. And um, he went on. He was a became a badass skier, right, you know, like slalom racing, downhill, things like that. And um, I recently found out that um, he, he, unfortunately, he took his own life. And... Um, that was, that was a very hard pill for me to swallow. Uh, as someone that is motivated by trying to help others um, and trying to, to 
build others through the world or through my language of karate and um, pursuing a career post post karate in mental health and um, just the bettering of people through different things. It, it was very hard to hear this. Um, this happened a lot, you know, so I've gotten criticized on this show for talking too much about, you know, sports psychology and mental skills. And the reason why I do that is because I, I, I've been there, you know, and, um, I was in very dark places in the past, which again, we can cover on different, you know, um, episodes, but that's why I'm pursuing this. And I, I, the, one of my main goals in pursuing what I am is, is to never allow people to get to that place or if they do help them out the way I was helped. And, um, it's, it's very hard to, to swallow the pill of someone that obviously I haven't worked with them in years and I didn't know the circumstances and things like that, but someone that, you know, you invest time and love and passion and everything that goes into helping mold, not only an athlete, but a strong built individual, you know, it, it turned out this way. Um, my condolences again to the family and things like that, but my my whole point in bringing this up is, um, a yeah, obviously it it, it touched home, it, it it hits close, but what I want to say is, for anybody that's going through it, man, for anybody that's listening and is struggling or or needs help, please, just go get it, just do it, it's worth it, whether that be a sports psychologist, general psychologist, mom dad, just to talk, someone to talk to, it, it does not matter, man. There's a lot that go that goes into this sport and that revolves around the sport that that involves the complete whole person, and um, there's moments where where everybody loses that and and the big thing is to to be able to keep working, keep going, and resiliency in that is is a part of the karate lifestyle, the Budo lifestyle, and asking for help and seeking out help when things are not good. Even when things are good, we talk about that all the time in the realm of sports. Like, even when things are good, you can always you can always improve. You can always help yourself. Just just do that step, make that step, and 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 find someone, <laughs> and maybe even me, you know. And and if if this podcast is something that helps, then <laughs> just keep listening. But with that said, I, I want everybody to stay healthy, stay happy, keep training. Keep staying active. For those of you that are going to the national championships this week, I will see you there in Chicago, in Schaumburg. <laughs> and um, feel free to come say hi. And um, yeah, let's let's get a good weekend in. And, uh, and I'm excited to go return back to competition. But with that, as always, everybody, keep your hands up. And do not forget to believe in the punch. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you soon. Also, as a quick side note, right before I finish, I wanted to give a huge shout out to my good childhood friend who who is out in L.A. doing the grind, doing the thing right now and is making the beats for me that you are listening to right now. Even the Believe in the Punch normal podcast beat, he makes them. His name is Brant Sear. All love to my boy. All grind, all glory, all everything that needs to be to my buddy Brant. Love you, man.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.